welcome to a brand new episode of Markers on the Map. Aloy fights her way across battlefields of rebels and mechanical monsters alike in one of the most graphically impressive games ever developed. But does Horizon Forbidden West crumble under its open world design? Find out in our discussion, right after we talk about the newest state of play. Check out the gaming adventure on Twitter at Markers on the Map, and thanks for listening. So I've been playing that Elden Ring. Everyone's been playing that Elden Ring, man. That's what anyone who's anybody playing games talks about. Uh, but I gotta say, I'm kind of disappointed. That's a... Man, you better watch, watch your back. Better turn around, look over your shoulder, make sure no one heard you say that. Hear me out. I'm disappointed. Not because it's a bad game. But because there's literally like... 50 other games that are contending with Elden Ring in the amount of time. You sound like a disappointed father. You're just like, I'm not mad at you, Elden Ring. I'm just disappointed, which hurts like 10 times more. (laughs) Elden Ring, I want to spend more time on Elden Ring, but I'm over here playing Destiny 2 and Horizon and Gran Turismo 7. I'm playing older games. I'm playing F-Zero X on the Nintendo Switch online. I Like... I, there's things I haven't even started. There's things that I'm not going to be playing anytime soon, like that GTA Online upgrade that we'll get to later today in the show. Oh, but man, yeah, that. <laughs> um, Elden Ring. <laughs> yeah, what about it? it? It's very good. I'm going to probably talk about it on the show either next week's episode or the week after. But I'll, I'll just start off by like this particular episode by saying like Elden Ring is very much an anomaly in 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 the industry nowadays it's something that we either haven't seen ever or haven't seen in a long time and it's refreshing Mm. in in that instance um it is a souls game at heart it is very difficult and challenging and it's going to be that's going to be a turnoff for some people in in regards to playing it but as far as the game design goes it's definitely the most well-designed thing I've played or, you know, experienced in the gaming industry in, in many years. Um, and that includes, you know, huge AAA titles mm-hmm. that have come out, like in the PS4 generation and all that. This, this The design philosophy of this is so different from what we're used to nowadays. And as I get into it, I think I'll have more to say about maybe the way combat goes or whatever. But I think it's safe to say um, you and me both having played some souls games before like you've played bloodborne so have i and sekiro we kind of know what to expect from the difficulty of the game Mm -hmm. but whereas those games are more or less constant combat encounters in more condensed and almost linear but not too linear worlds elden ring feels like you have a bit more of a pause in between your combat sections and the exploration is very rewarding in that you will just go wherever and you'll discover something. You might discover a dungeon, and then you'll be in combat situations. But the open world itself, the overworld, at least in the start here, combat is sparse when you're actually out in in areas. And I just feel like no matter where you go, you're going to find something cool or interesting, an item that helps. Sometimes, like, like I, I found an item 
like where you would not expect there to be like a really important item and i was like wow if i hadn't gone and fought this group of enemies i would have never gotten that item and it's not the game's not telling you to go fight that group of enemies but the item seemed very important after i got it so um it's interesting in that fact (laughs) so uh, like some of that stuff is like interesting like the whole idea of just like if i understand the whole point of open world means open world if you do what you want but then when things like that happen where like a certain item can only be found in a certain way or anything like that because examples like you, you've done this minecraft there's no object there's no real objective it's just whatever you make but when there's so many options you can't really pick an objective you kind of lose interest at that point like with that in mind i did find this item and it seemed mm-hmm. important and i was like wow i'm glad that i got this and then later on i realized upon finding another one that it's a consumable <laughs> Oh, so the game is really just giving you like faking you out a little bit. But like if you got that item when I got it and then used it, it it would help. Or if you or it's not like it's going to take things away from you by you Mm -hmm. not going to them, Um, because the world, as far as I can tell, is absolutely massive. Um, I've only put like six hours into this, Robert, and I've only fought two bosses. Okay. <laughs> there right. are 120 bosses, I believe, in Elden Ring. Okay. Uh, dial it back a bit. I, I think that's too many bosses. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they expect you to fight all of the bosses. In I mean, Ring. here's the thing. I, I believe only 12 are mandatory. <laughs> they don't expect you, but is that going to stop anyone from farming every single boss? Like, come on. No, absolutely not. Exactly. <laughs> the one I fought actually was very exciting. I, I, I like how this is going to turn into the Elden Ring episode, even though it's not. Um, but the the boss I fought, um, this is the last thing I'll say on the topic of Elden Ring for this week. Um, the boss I fought first was like, mm-hmm. like only in these types of games do you have bosses with this design. It is a statue of a really long dog. It's like a like a concrete dog, and it's got a sword, and it looked like it had like a crown. And it stands on two legs and moves around very, like, Nightmare Before Christmassy stop motion-esque. Yeah. And it will, like, slam the sword down or it will, like, go onto all fours and, like, try to plunge down with the sword. And sometimes it'll spin with the sword and then it'll just stand still and start spinning without moving its legs because it's a statue and, like, spewing fire at you. I'm like, for a little tiny easy mini boss at the start of the game, like, I'm excited to see the design of, like, the major bosses in this one. I think that has always been from software's strong point is boss mm-hmm. design. Even if you don't appreciate the difficulty, which, you know, for me, like, the difficulty is a is a hard point for me. Because, like, I've beaten these games before, but I've never really enjoyed the process of the combat. Yeah. You do always have to admire the design of the enemies in, like, Bloodborne or something. How every little piece of them moves. It's just... I think... Bloodborne, I think the farthest I've gone, I think I defeated, like, the first major boss. Like, not, like, the one you first encountered, but, like, the one that you get to the next area was the last time I did it. And it wasn't because I lost interest. I think what it was that the next area was just so difficult that I just was just like, yeah, I'm not going to deal with that. And so I was just like, I barely got used to the first area, and then the next area was just really difficult, so I was about that, but... 
I mean, the bo- that one that was the poison. I remember what was it? The poison boss, Vicar Amelia. Yeah, I remember you said, "Oh yeah, that boss is optional," and I was like, "That's an optional no, boss." No, 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 Vicar Amelia is not optional. Oh no, no, the poison the fir- one, the first one, the cleric, the cleric beast. Oh, you're talking about the Bloodstar beast. There, there we go. go. That Bloodstar yeah. beast is optional, but he's only yeah. optional, I think, if you don't beat the cleric beast. But Vicar Man. Amelia is the story boss. Man, I, 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 I'm, I'm not to, you know, toot my horn, but I think I did pretty well for being very, fairly new to these types of games, and I kind of defeated that. Because you told me that a lot of people don't like that poisonous boss, like that. A lot of people yeah. hate it. That's like it's very difficult. When I first fought the Blood Starved Beast on Bloodborne, that was the first time. That was the first Souls game I had ever played. And I, I had tried Dark Souls two for like five minutes before, but mm-hmm. um, when I fought Blood Starved Beast, that was the first time that I my character died as I defeated the boss where you learn that, okay, you're safe as long as it says, you know, pray slaughtered on the screen. Even mm-hmm. if you die, if, if you hit the last hit at the same time, that boss is, is gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, please don't make me fight this boss over again. Cause I died right as I defeated the boss. <laughs> yeah. But then it's just the idea that the boss fights are pretty, are a pretty strong point of the games where they're, uh, what was it? That, I'm trying to remember. I believe it's the first Dark Souls where the first boss is like, you think, I think it's some like big old like guy. And technically, you're not supposed to fight him. You're supposed to like mm-hmm. walk past him. But yeah. uh, the point is that their boss fights are very interesting, and it's just like there are some repeating bosses, and they're not like repeated as in they're just using the same type of idea and just no it's still the same boss just in a different game which i find pretty interesting returning bosses coming to a different game with the damage that you've done to them as the different character or maybe the same one and on the point of like bosses that show up at the beginning um elden ring also has one of those a giant knight on top of you know a giant steed called the tree sentinel and i Uh feel like it's kind of mean (laughs) but you're not supposed to fight that boss he's on a horse Yes, you're definitely not supposed to fight that boss, one, until you probably get your horse, which is early on, and two, until you level up. So it's kind of like one of those Dark Souls type things where it's like, no, walk away, come back later. It's the same thing with, like, this game and mean things. The tutorial is completely missable. The combat tutorial, you can just miss a okay. tutorial. It's it, it, it's down like a, a, a cave you can fall into, and you're like, do I want to fall into this deep, dark cave? The first thing I did in Elden Ring was walk to the edge and like, oh, am I supposed to jump off? I jumped off and I died. And it turns out you're just supposed to go to the edge and look behind you for a path that goes down. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> this is this is what we're doing today from software. So so you have, you could ride a do you obtain a horse? Do you actually ride a horse? Um yes. So and again, we will get to this when we do an Elden Ring episode. But like, yes, and the horse is awesome because. You don't call the horse to you. You call the horse under you. Um, <laughs> you press the button and the horse just appears under you. And it's the Ghost of Tsushima horse where you don't have to slow down to pick up items. You can just click a button as you go. <laughs> so, nah, it's not even... This ain't half a horse. This ain't a quarter of a horse. This ain't even... I'm a not even sure if it's a horse because it's got some horns on it. I guess a whole horse. Oh, and boy, will we talk about something related to Whole Horse later <laughs> I, in this I show. like how that actually does go into what we're going to talk about. I love that joke. It. I say it. I was like, this ain't no half a horse. This ain't a quarter of a horse. This ain't no third fourth of a horse. That's a whole horse. I guess you could say that the horse in this game is quite bizarre. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, but Elden Ring, um, 
impressions after the first six hours are really good. This is actually like I'm seeing where the tens are coming from for Elden Ring. I'm, I'm Dude, very impressed. Pre- my by friends it. are pressuring me to buy it. I'm just like, I don't know. Hey, look, if you buy it, we can summon. That's what I'm saying here. True. We can summon. But there's a lot of stuff that I haven't even, a lot of systems in the game I haven't even touched yeah, yet because touched I'm just yet, yeah. enjoying the tranquility of the, I mean, I'm in a part of the world that's tranquil. <laughs> I, I think you're enjoying it, but at the same time, there's also so much other things you're playing before this came out. Yeah, and we're actually going to get to one of those games today here on Markers on the Map, the weekly yep. podcast gaming adventure where we got some news this week. And then we're going to talk about Horizon Forbidden West for the most part this week. Mm-hmm. Um, as usual, my name is Daniel, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host Robert. How have you been doing this week? Pretty normal. It's been it's been all right. How have you been this week? I would say pretty normal, too. Aside from trying to get through... I'm juggling games. Here we are again at the exact you know, thing I did not want to be happening, which is juggling games. I was going to hold off on Elden Ring, yeah. but there's a reason I got it. But I've also been watching that new Proud Family, and I thought we could just oh, <laughs> such a good remark show. about that it. for just a couple minutes here. I was going to say, out of all the reboots and all the comebacks and all that stuff, most of them, I, I'm just like, they're all right, they're okay. This one, this is a good one. The amount of care put into not only the characterization of, you know, old favorites but the dialogue and plots of these episodes the quick rapid fire humor like i'm actually it's hard to get a legitimate laugh out of me and if it's like a scripted tv show or something but here we are like i'm laughing a lot during this like actual like gut laughs i don't know if i oh there's one joke that i just love i don't know if i want to say but it's a funny joke oh i know what you're talking about (laughs) i know what you're talking about it's such a good joke yeah there's also like musical numbers with like oscar proud singing voiced of course by the great tommy davidson singing like um prince's purple rain or uh CeeLo green singing strawberry uh, letter 23 as a giant panda that (laughs) that they're trying to free who doesn't really want to be free because he's got it he's got the good life every like they've brought all the voice actors back it's like they haven't not only have they not missed a beat but i think it's better even than the old one honestly original family it's it's funny it's just it's crazy how good and how great this like not a reboot but it's just a continuation of the original show like i said sometimes when you think you want it or reboot or a continuation of a previous run show, it's not as good as, you know, you may think and it might not be, mm-hmm. you know, on the same level as like the original or people might think that like, it's taken a, such a downward spiral. It well, this might is have like, a different tone to it. Kind of like Samurai Jack. Now the Samurai Jack continuation is incredible, but it's not the same episodic thing we were used to back in the day. Uh, what's funny is that a lot of people didn't like it. I liked it. I liked the comeback. I, I understand the problem mm-hmm. about it being, you know, that the episodes are not self-contained. It's a continuous one story through. Like, it's just every episode is connected, so you have to watch the series and whole to understand what's going on. Instead yeah. of it just being, you know, kept in its own short runtime. But, I don't know. I, I think to kind of tie it all in the end, it, it did fine yeah. for me. It did a lot, especially for fans of the old series. Proud Family, Louder and Prouder should be, like, what you show people if they're trying to reboot, like, a a comedy series or continue a comedy series. Like, look at this 
take these cues. Yeah, it's like the only thing that's different is just the animation, and that's just it. The humor, and honestly, the writing. it's not that bad. The animation yeah. is pretty fluid. Come on, it got Wizard Kelly. Come on, it's Wizard Kelly. The Wizard Kelly movie theaters where you can watch a movie in your own community, y'all. Can't go wrong. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Exactly. To quote a certain Bobcat. Anyway, we got some news this week. Let's start with the state of play. So this was a state of play that was mostly focused on Japanese games mm-hmm. uh, for coming out for PS4 and PS5. Uh, and then they threw in one nice little surprise from the good folks at Housemark. Uh, but we will get to that. The first thing we need to touch on is Capcom's Exoprimal. So this is, by all means, should be Dino Crisis. Not it's Dino Capcom. Crisis. There Dino are Crisis. dinosaurs. Literally a redhead uh, female protagonist that looked just like Regina. I swear to God, I was like, is this Dino Crisis? Is it, are we finally getting it? No, you think nope. whatever. <laughs> See, they just do the Resident Evil test, remake the original, put it on the Resident RE engine, remake uh-huh. it, and just release it. And see how well uh-huh. it does. If it does well enough to make a sequel, do a sequel. It, and with this Exoprimal, though, it is... Uh, it looks like a co-op shooter that has kind of the gameplay mechanics of a Resident Evil remake. Mm-hmm. But it's dinosaurs. Um, now, this is generally the game type that we see a lot of lately. But for some reason, I kind of have faith in Capcom. Because Capcom, for the past five years now, has been on some kind of rapid-fire roll. So if anybody's going to pull off this co-op shooter thing... I think it's Capcom. It could be then, yeah. And then, man, that remember remember the beginning of the trailer when they're like, there's like a whole newscast about the forecast teleports opens and then the tricycle pots yeah. are falling down, and, and all the dinosaurs start raining out from the sky. Come on, the tricycle pot. <laughs> <laughs> a tricycle bot. Yeah, a tricycle bot. That's, that's such a deep cut Jurassic Park reference. If you don't understand uh-huh. that, then I can't be friends with you. Uh-huh. That's a deep cut. <laughs> Oh god! So like, I'm this. I'm cautiously optimistic about this. It's not coming out anytime soon. I mean, but didn't interest I, me as much as you. But I don't mind it. It's like I'm not gonna hate on it. If you're interested, go yeah. for it. I'm not gonna be like, oh, it's dumb. Like it doesn't interest me, but that doesn't mean it's a bad game. If it interests you, go Look, for it. There's gonna be plenty of hate going around. I think later on in went in the state of play conversation. <laughs> that was something else. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Another cool thing they showed. New trailer for Ghostwire Tokyo. Now, this game has the unfortunate release date of March 25th, which is the same day as Wonderlands and Kirby, so I'm probably not going to be picking this oh, up at launch. Um, why? Yeah. <laughs> um, does look like an extremely fun game. Probably the last major thing we're going to see from Bethesda on PlayStation. Um, first person going up against, you know, demons and 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 the like ghost stories in japan and basically all that stuff rated so it's t, finally though. coming out yeah rated t so Which i don't expect anything weird. like massively violent <laughs> that's very weird to me that's a rated t game yeah um well but hey i can appreciate a rated t game every batman was i thought the batman was rated r but it's P- surprising it's pg-13 yeah Batman's so like, PG-13. that's pretty interesting yeah and that was a pretty tough pg-13 movie um it was close as to far R. as ghostwire goes there is a visual novel prequel that's about 30 minutes that's downloadable for PS4 and PS5 mm-hmm. that I went through. Nothing 
spectacular or anything. It was just giving you some context on some of the characters, and there was like a a visual novel like fight system towards the end that kind of was all right for a little bit of a distraction. But I'm I'm really mm. interested in this one. But like, look what's coming out the same day. This is going to have to wait. Yeah, that's a even if let's say how about this? even if it's just like wonderland most people are gonna go to kirby it's like if one of the other still not coming out it's still like we still have the other option it's like either it's kirby or it's wonderlands i know you could do both yeah. but i'm probably just gonna do wonderlands yeah I'm, I'm gonna do wonderland i'm gonna get both but wonderlands is going to it, i've been looking forward to, we have been looking forward to that game for a, a long time now so that's gonna be yeah. my priority um as as cool as the kirby demo was wonderlands is still the game that i am actually looking forward to playing the most and has been for quite some time outside of legends Arceus. so i'm not gonna uh let anything get in the way let any other game step in front of that even elden ring gundam evolution oh my god (laughs) so this is that gundam first person shooter we had a news story about like ages ago um it's free to play first person shooter but your gundams i'm in i don't care if it's good or bad <laughs> i want to play this it actually looks really fun from from what i'm seeing in the trailer and you know i'm into gundams and all that so i mean if if it's not one of those things where you have to just get the pass or if it's not if it's not pay to win i'm all in for this there's not much much to say about that aside from the fact that it's coming out later this year what i really want to get to though teenage mutant ninja turtles the Cowabunga Collection. Yeah, this was kind of plastered where everywhere I was going. There's people were talking about this one. I'm just gonna read the list of the games. Read it. TMNT Arcade, Turtles mm. in Time Arcade, mm. NES TMNT, e. TMNT Two for the NES, e. TMNT Three: The Manhattan Project for e. the NES, Tournament Fighters, e. Turtles in Time. It's like the one meme where it's the dad from Incredibles, and like the more and more it gets better, like the music just gets more and more dope, and it like turns into just God sent. It's like, bro, more and more you listing off these games, bro, the more and more I'm sending to like godliness. It's like, yes, finally. But wait, but wait, tournament fighters for the SNES, Hyperstone Heist, Ooh. tournament fighters for the Genesis, because there's like three different versions of that game. Follow the Foot Clan and Back from the Sewers for the Game Boy. And then Radical Rescue, also for the Game Boy. 13 <laughs> Turtles games coming in this collection from Konami. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it's the definition of what I've always been saying. These older, beloved arcade games like the Simpsons Arcade, or the Turtles games, or even like Marvel vs. Cap- or the, like any type of Capcom versus Fighter arcade game. Mm-hmm. Put them... Just re-release them on a collection set people will will buy it a hundred percent i guarantee you, if you release the ki arcade set with one and two with their console versions i guarantee you a lot of people would buy that people love ki and these turtles games are coming physical to boot exactly this isn't just a digital bundle this is this is the full-on turtles like i can't wait for this and on on the wake of shredder's revenge coming out at some point this year i'm assuming like it's going to be a beat-em-up type of year for me and you man it's it's sort of how, how do i put this? the uh, the konami contra collection that would have been a 10 out of 10 collection if it wasn't for one game 
not being on there. And it's like, why? Out of all this collection, the one game that honestly should have a console release is not on there, which was Contra 4. Which is oh, the, the, the one on the DS. Yeah. DS exclusive, not available. I don't, I don't think it's in, on anything except for the DS. So it's like, if that had it, that would have been, like, that's the ultimate collection right there. But this Turtle one, it seems to be going way beyond, like, everything on there. Oh, it's going... It's got 13 games on it, Robert. That's for 40 bucks. Yeah, that's the thing. these this... games, these are beloved games here. <laughs> these are good 100%. stuff. So, I think, like, despite a lot of excitement coming out of this state of play, I think this, for me, is like, oh boy. <laughs> um, but there's a few other things. There's Gigabash, which is a kaiju brawler, kind of like War of the Monsters, except for the modern day. Looks pretty cool. And then a little... A little indie game called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R. <laughs> oh, <boy>. So, <laughs> this was a pre-existing JoJo game. This is a PS late console game. This is a PS3 game, right? Physical was not, like, yeah. entirely possible outside no. of... I think there was, like, you had to... I, I know there was one at AX that they, like, had you win, but I don't think you could, like, easily pick this game up physical or digital no. at a point. It's No, it is on the PS3 digital, but the, the whole point is that, yeah, that's the case, but, I mean, you we recognize that the PS4 and PS5 do not accept the PS3 digital market. That you can't yeah. buy a digital PS3 game and play it on your con- like modern consoles and have it all in one area. That's not... So I had this game... Yeah. I think I've said this before. It was a European edition. But they sent me the European copy. Yeah. So I couldn't get any of the DLC. Now, this version for the PS5 is going to have 50 characters instead of the original. I think after DLC there was 40, so they're going to add more. Hopefully they add more Part 8 characters. Um, Yeah. I think there's some refinements to the gameplay, so that'll be cool. Because I really actually enjoyed the gameplay. It kind of reminded me of a cross between like a Soul Calibur and a Naruto Ninja Storm. It's interesting to me that they're gonna add a bit more to the mechanics, which I yeah I hope that could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing, but I think it will be a good thing. I'm glad they're redoing this instead of Eyes of Heaven because Eyes of Heaven mm-hmm. is an arena brawler, and you know okay. arena brawlers are fine every five or six years but what i need is a one-on-one like be in an area have some jojo fights it's like it's arena fighters are cool for like five minutes but after that they're just like yeah the the traditional 2d fighters will always be the preferred method of a fighting game yes for sure and as much as i want arc system to do uh a jojo game like all-star battle for me personally is a pretty fun game and i can't wait for this to see what's added 60 frames is going to be cool can't wait 10 out of 10 would play again oh (laughs) i thought about it bro i thought about it i know who's gonna be one of the new characters oh who boingo oh Bro, come put Boingo on that. I would. I'll be a Boingo main for. I'll be the Oingo Boingo brother. I love the Oingo. I'm Boingo over brothers. here saying, Boingo's about to be a new character in Trek to Yomi. <laughs> <laughs> a crossover crossover potential sounds like one of our rumors. Um, but we've seen this one before too. This just continues to look cool. I'm sure it's gonna be a hard game, but like, mm. what a very like stylish looking game. Um, not much to say, but 
who knows this might be one i pick up in the future mm-hmm. returnal ascension that is a co-op coming to returnal and a dlc like tower mode that you like fight up a tower kind of like a progressive mm-hmm. horde mode thing that's cool but like co-op in returnal that's awesome and this is a free update this is not i'm not even charging for this interesting that could be an interesting something we're going to say later about a different game upgrade ah yeah upgrade <laughs> but before we get to that little thing we uh we we i, I we gotta talk about square enix for a second like square enix is coming out with one game that i think looks really cool for spoken i'm a little iffy on it it's been mm-hmm. delayed until October. I think it was supposed to come out in May, so maybe they're using that time to refine it. But it does look cool. It gives me a Final Fantasy 15 vibe, but it's not a Final Fantasy game. It's not really a, a turn-based RPG or an action RPG. I think it's like a mm-hmm. combat game. But it looks cool. Here's the thing with Square Enix. They showed a new trailer for Final Fantasy Origin, The Stranger of Paradise. That game's coming out, like, the day this episode goes up, I think. Okay, so um, days, how is a Souls game like that going to survive in an Elden Ring world and also true Square Enix announced Valkyrie Elysium which is a Valkyrie profile game that didn't look too great to me um a pre-existing series but it didn't look too great and also Dealfield Chronicle which is another tactics game so you know I have no interest in that and this is a month where Square Enix is not only coming out with Stranger of Paradise but also Chocobo GP which Mm -hmm. has a battle pass babylon's fall which has a battle pass and triangle strategy which is a tactics game now let's just ignore the tactics games for a second babylon's fall chocobo gp that those are two games that are trying to be live services again live service okay again like have they not learned from this Babylon's Fall is not being played by many people. I think Steam on the first day had like 650 people playing, and this is Platinum Games, and they're being dragged down by the live service machine. Chocobo okay. GP, I've read reviews, it's a great kart racer, but it's being dragged down by the Battle Pass being the complete grindiest thing ever, and you have to grind the Battle Pass out to play as Cloud in your Final Fantasy racing game. What is going on at Square Enix? Is anything they're doing make sense to you lately? Uh, I mean, the game industry as a whole, there's some things that just don't make sense to me. But... I mean, like, sure, but Square Enix right now is like, yeah. they're oh. not advertising the the greatest game that they've had in years and years now, which is Guardians of the Galaxy. They're not advertising it. They're advertising these battle passes. That it's I just, think and... what's super funny is that that's true. They're not, one, they're not advertising probably a, great, a game that most people... We're, we're hating on for no good reason. There wasn't really good reason to hate on it. It's like, it's things that they, they, they honestly changed it so much from things they didn't like from Avengers, but yet people still found ways to not like it. But it's like, they're, I mean, they're trying to cater to what people say. But I, another thing too is that I just think off the rip, they thought that it was going to be a failure. So even when the day it dropped, it went on sale for like $40, which is very strange. It was like, like a week a later for Black Friday, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like, it's kind of strange to assume that this game that you didn't very, like, you did very little advertisement with, and actually, when people were actually like, actually, this is actually a fun game. When that word goes into someone's, you want an influencer or someone just be like, you know what, this game's actually really good, you should try it. People are more willing to be like, okay, I'll give it a try. If there's a valid opinion on it, it's like someone actually played it, 
and they're thinking, you know what, this is actually a pretty good game. People should give it a try. It's not like the last game. This is actually different. But it went on sale quick. Exactly. And they're saying, oh, the game underperformed. I'm like, these games that you came out with this month are going to underperform. Babylon's Fall came out like a couple of days within Elden Ring. Do you think people are going to frolic to Babylon's Fall when Elden Ring is right there doing something completely different and with no battle mm-hmm. pass? It's just... And, and Chocobo GP, a huge battle pass. A grindy battle pass that they've already had to lower, I believe, the amount of XP you need to level up. And it's still grindy. On a month when Mario Kart DLC is going to start, literally the day this episode drops. <laughs> yeah. Nothing turns me away from a game more nowadays than a battle pass battle pass no what doesn't what turns me away is is not the battle pass it's a game that requires you to assume that you play nothing that you don't do anything else sure and it's such that's a why i don't grindy, buy the seasons on destiny yeah it's like it's such a grindy process where any little xp does nothing and i'll say this no matter what fortnite surprisingly does very well with the battle pass their xp and the way you obtain it and how much xp you can gain doing like daily easy tasks or even just logging in and just playing a couple rounds i've yeah there's people that i know that play this and they're like they have jobs out of this they do other things they play other games and they still make it to like tier 200 that's what i mean it's not the battle pass concept that's terrible it's the idea that you're making people forcefully play a certain game for hours, assuming that assuming they don't play any other game or don't do any other hobbies or anything like that, which is not yeah. very unrealistic. Like Epic Games, I guess, seems to be doing it right because Fall yeah. Guys is in a similar situation where you yeah, can go like, in, you can go in and jump five times, and they'll give you enough fame points to get exactly. level. It's and like the seasons last forever <laughs> as of late think- in Fall Guys. I think the 15th of March, I think Fortnite ends, so it'll be the new season. But that's like, yeah. it's been there for a while now, since the beginning of the year, I think. I, and I don't like, I mean, I like the idea of Hot Wheels Unleashed giving you a lot of time. And we'll, again, we will get to talking about that game in detail at some point. But mm-hmm. it does it does only give you small amounts of XP outside of the daily challenges. So it does require you, essentially, if you want to finish the pass, to log in every day for like 20 minutes to make sure you get those challenges out of the exactly. way. Exactly. So I like I try to get that done as soon as possible because I don't want to have to keep logging into the same game every single day when the XP gains just could be buffed or something. Um, exactly. It would make it a lot easier. <laughs> but yeah, state of play turned into a discussion of what's going on at Square Enix. Like, I don't understand personally. Like, Square Enix is not my least favorite publisher, but they've gotten to a point where I'm just kind of not interested anymore i think final fantasy 16 and potentially a guardian sequel would be like the things i'm looking forward to and whatever avengers character they come out with next where i play the campaign and then i'm like desolate online no one to play with so i just delete Mm -hmm. it um but we got one other piece of news that we'll get to this week and that is the fact that by the time you're listening to this episode grand theft auto 5 and gta online will have launched on next gen with a small upgrade fee for the story mode of ten dollars and if you're on ps5 you get the online for free so let's have at that for a second you don't really play gta so this is kind of where i have to kind of give my thought process as someone who's been playing gta at the age of like the age you should be playing gta which is like 12 or something or like 11 i was playing san andreas like back in the day and gta 4 
Here's the thing. GTA 5, we all know, came out in 2013. They re-released this game two times. Once again on the PS4, and then once again now on the PS5. But I'm very confused on why why is the main selling point and what people are going to play on it the most honestly is the online free when they can probably charge ten dollars for the online and i think that would make people be angry about it but i think people will still buy it regardless compared to the story mode where we've learned that or i have learned and i told you was that it has three modes for graphics it has a 4k race tracing 30 frames though which is kind of like game 2013 i know it's an open world it's a big open world but i don't think the game is that high demanding i'm pretty sure there's very there's other games that are higher demanding that the game you know, we'll could, talk about today, is, I think, is probably higher yeah. demanding. Then. And it, I think they could hit better frames than 30. And then there's a 1080 uh, higher frames. I don't think there's ray tracing, so that's another. But then there's a 4K trying to hit. It says trying to hit 60, which to me sounds that there will be some dips in certain parts, which is, I think, the current version of like GTA five where it's like i'm pretty sure in some parts it, it tries to go above 30 but most of the time it hits 30 and it, it's just like yeah a part of me is like well it's only 10 bucks why not but then another part of me is like no don't fall into the the pit of oh only 10 dollars. but it's like the, the whole point is that i'm trying to prove a point to them that you're not just going to repackage uh, the same game for the past past like almost 10 years and just be like buy it it's like i already bought it the first time and then i bought it the next time why am i gonna buy it a third time i think a game that deserved a patch was red dead 2 with a 60 frames 1080 mode and then maybe like a 4k 30 frames mode because that game is way more detailed and way more open one than way more things to do than gta 5 could ever be i honestly believe there's no point in buying the story mode if it doesn't add any more DLC that's on the online to the to the single player mode, just stick to your base PS4 copy. There's no difference. Even the PS3 version or Xbox 360, just stick with that. The story mode's the same. Nothing's changed. Story hasn't changed. They haven't added anything. And most people are gonna just gonna play the online, and that's free. So I'm fine just doing that. So yeah. for me, it seems like one of those things that's a nah. good value for people that don't have the game yet to pay that ten dollars before the price goes it? back up to forty. Aside from me, I don't know <laughs> who else doesn't have it. Uh, I'm sure there's some people. I mean, this is like one of the biggest selling games of all time. So I figure if you wanted to play it, you probably have played it by now. Um, I had it back on PS3, but I played it until I got sick of the joke, which is about two missions in, um, <laughs> and then never looked back. Exactly. It's like if you were remotely interested at all, you you already have played it. This is not... Any, this is not catering towards anyone who hasn't played it. My point is, if it was 4K, even with the, if it was 4K 60 frames, I would get it. But because it's 4K with race tracing and only 30 frames, I think, come on, I'm out of that. Like, not to put it down, but I'm so out of that 30 frames life. It's like 60 frames is such a difference now that the whole point of a PS5 is that it's trying to tell you we can have a good quality amount of games that will hit 60 frames or higher it should be 60 frames or higher there's a lot to unpack there but yeah the last um, the last two things were kind of just like a punch to the face yeah <laughs> so i mean the state of play was good 
But I think the Square Enix situation and maybe the situation with GTA Online is a sore spot for me for Square and you for the GTA thing. Um, it's just like Red Dead could have deserved a better upgrade. I think I Red Dead deserves the upgrade. The. Like, yeah. bring that one on. I feel like GTA 5. I mean, never underestimate the popularity of GTA 5, but I, it's not my cup. But what's, you know, what's it's not funny my cup. is that if you, if you gave me the option... G- like if you told me what was the best GTA, it's San Andreas without a doubt. But you saw what yeah. happened with San Andreas; they didn't do a, a, that well of a job bringing it over. It's freshly patched though, so I'll have to look at it one uh, of these days. Yeah, when I have just, the time. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think it. It you know. It's like they could have just done more and made it better, but they didn't. Anyhow, hey Robert, look yep. in the Discord chat. Okay. Uh... I'm going to pretend I'm opening a drawer. <laughs> Discord chat. What is this? These the characters? Yeah, so what me and Robert are looking at is something that I meant to get to last week, and that is the characters for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. And the way these characters look had me think of something that we could talk about in our show now. Now, the, the I have my problems with these character designs and that they're too samey. The, the, the male and female character do not seem to have their own unique costume as they always have had in pokemon Mm -hmm. so for our nintendo direct rumors for a while i i've decided to add a new segment to markers on the map called pokemon drip where we look at characters from pokemon and we rate their clothing so the first Uh, thing i can do (laughs) rate and Uh, review the clothing (laughs) okay so footnote i'll say that i I don't have much drip. I don't think I, I dress that well. I think I just dress kind of plain. <laughs> but, uh, all right, so we're looking at, what is this, red? So Ethan, yeah. what I was going to say is that you don't have to have played, because you haven't played a lot of Pokemon in your life, but you don't no. have to have played it to appreciate some of the wild and fantastic clothing that these characters wear. So mm-hmm. for this week's Pokemon Drip, before we do our Nintendo Direct rumor, I thought we could look at the protagonists from the first generation and the second generation of Pokemon. So we're starting with Red. And Red is from Pokemon Red and Blue and Fire Red and Leaf Green. He's got two designs. They are both kind of similar. This is like the quintessential original Pokemon trainer design. He's got his hat, yeah. his shirt, and his pants. And he looks like he's just ready to go. I mean, the the first one on the very far left, I don't know what Red and blue, red and blue. That's, that is trash. The tucked-in shirt, the <laughs> jeans with the weird, I don't know what he's wearing. You know, some fake Jordans or something. The hat's like way too square. Here's what gets me about Fire Red's red. And this is nothing to do with Pop Red, um, legendary fallen villain of, of Gameland. The popped collar. Mad Persona 4 vibes with the popped collar. See, Can't go wrong with the popped collar. Here's the thing. Take the one on the right. Shoes on point. Jeans, baggy, that's in. You know that's on point. The baggy jeans. Uh, mm-hmm. Take the, the vest jacket from the first one. Put it on the second one. You got drip right there. That's Ooh, where that he messed up. He should have kept the he should have kept the jacket. Combine the two designs. Exactly. Now, only Fire Red and Leaf Green have a female trainer. The original Red and Blue didn't. So we'll look at Leaf now. Leaf has her hat on. She has got a dress, a really long bag, and some like really baggy socks. I think like 
as far as Pokemon mm-hmm. trainer designs go, this is one of the better ones. Like, I, I think she looks The hat really is trash, dog. I don't know what you're talking about. That oh, you don't like the hat? <laughs> I don't not like the hat. That is a trash hat, bro. Well, we'll get to a hat that I do like here. But Leaf, I feel like, is really good character design. Good character design? It's just the hat is just trash. Everything else is pretty much Some fun. of the hats can be trash in Pokemon. Yeah, the socks, could, I could do without the socks. I don't know. I kind of like the socks. I kind of I like the baggy socks. I don't know. Yeah, baggy zone. Now we're going to look at the gold and silver protagonists. The first one is Ethan, otherwise known as Gold. Now his designs in gold and silver and crystal are pretty much the same thing. He's got some like the first longer or yellow cab. shorts. Yeah. Um, Honestly, drip, a hundred percent drip. It's pretty Come drip, on. huh? <laughs> he got some mean bro, the the shorts, the shoes looking like looking like shadow shoes. I know, he's got some drip. Now, his redesign, they no, changed the no shorts, drip. and I don't really think that in, in Heart, Gold, and Soul, Silver, that Ethan's shorts are, are <laughs> that great. He, he get nothing, bro. My man, get, <laughs> that's no drip. He get no one. He got nothing, bro. What is that? They kept the hat, though. No, cool. but his hair is not coming out of the hat point, which, uh, like, you know, the little Oh, holes, it's coming like, out underneath. Like from Kevin, bro? Yeah, like how Kevin Ed and Eddie had it, where it's coming through the hole. is not doing that in this one, so. I'm going to no make drip. sure to post these on the Twitter so that you can, <laughs> so that Honestly, the listeners can see these. Other thing, too, is I don't like the backpack that it's it's not the, the double one. It's just like a single. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. The double is a classic look like an old 1990s. Yeah, he's got a sling stuff. bag in, in Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Like, the first two, he's ready for a game of ball. This one, he's just like, Nah, he ain't got no type of drip. And he ain't wearing no type of socks, bro. He wearing no ankle socks? Nah, bro. Now, the female protagonist of Generation 2. Chris is the protagonist from Crystal. I like her hair. I think her hair is cool. Actually, she got some drip on her. Her hair uh, is a little iffy on me, but her drip game is actually on point. I like the colors. The green hair along with colors, the pink shirt and the yellow pants. The sh- like, the shoes, it yeah, feels everything, everything. like very cool. However... Lyra from Heart, Gold, and Soul Silver might actually Basic. be my personal favorite. Well, I think, actually, for me, that's probably my favorite Basic. female Pokemon character design. And I, it's the big hat. I really like the big hat. I like the hat. Like the the hat's hat. cool. Everything else is pretty much basic, though. I don't know. I like it for some reason. It's always been, like, really cool to me. I think who got the most of those, Ethan, all the way. His first two original designs, that's his drip. That's how if we look at the first rendition of Ethan... That's a man who knows his Pokemon. That's a man who's there for a fight. Exactly. Man, I like this segment. <laughs> man, Wait till I we have... get to some of the more wild designs, though. All right, so our Nintendo Direct rumor. And, and this was just an, a, an extended Pokemon drip for our first one. Um, but our Nintendo Direct rumor this week is for a new Switch game that's coming out. It is an open-world action-adventure that takes place in the world of Duel Monsters popularized by the card game Yu-Gi-Oh. So you are said to choose your own, you know, class and make a character, and you will go through a dark and desolate world where you fight in action battles against monsters like the legendary Blue-Eyes White Dragon or the Red-Eyes Black Dragon, even strong towering foes like Exodia in kind of like a like an almost Dark Souls type experience except in the Yu-Gi-Oh world. I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh, I'm, I'm down for that. I'm- way prefer Yu-Gi-Oh than any, you know pretty much anything else 
So, like, they've never really done this, though. Like, Yu-Gi-Oh's always no. been a card game. This is expand. This is turning that world. This is giving you the lore of that world, but putting you in that world. The world, like, I imagine this is a game, like, where you potentially choose your class. You could probably make your character, and maybe they'll have it to where, like, if you're a Dark Magician-type character, then you can go fight against other factions of Yu-Gi-Oh, like we know there's a whole bunch of engines and factions of Yu-Gi-Oh, or maybe there's like a prank kids area where you can battle against them and then the battle butler would be their boss. This just seems like a mm-hmm. type of game that would really fit with the Yu-Gi-Oh formula. Like going to like Blue Eyes Castle or something and then there's like a Blue Eyes Ultimate Dragon that like rides around the roof and you have to go up there and have like some kind of huge combat Did encounter with that. It's like a mind Zodia. But there would be no there would be no um, duelists because this would be taking place in the actual lore that's like hidden within the depths of Yu Gi Oh. I'm trying to I'm trying to think what would be the coolest. I vote. I don't care what people say. I mean, the Egyptian god cards were always my favorite. I like them. Oh, they could like be like the stuff. super bosses, or they could <sighs> be like the I'm area saying. bosses, like Sly for the Sky bro. Dragon. Dude, like does, was... does Yu Gi Oh not lend itself to a Dark Styles type game? It, it does. I mean, the, it depends because, like, the, when Yu-Gi-Oh! first came out, it was about monsters, but now it's, like, what, anime? Yeah. What I'm saying is they could be bosses, too. Trap Tricks, they could be bosses. Magician Girls, they could be bosses. <laughs> there what, are, what about, there's um, so many cool designs to pull totally from Totally awesome. Totally awesome. The frogs could be a bosses. There could be a whole world where you're just, like, fighting against the frogs. Like, some of them could be enemies, but then, like, Totally Awesome could be bosses and stuff like that. I'm really liking the, I'm like, this was one of those things where I read the rumor and I was like, why haven't they done this yet? Why has Yu-Gi-Oh always been presented as, as a card game when it could it be a, a whole entire game. world, though? True. It could be the Pokemon Legends Arceus of Yu-Gi-Oh. And you know what you could call it? Dual Monsters Kingdom. <laughs> Dual Monsters Kingdom. <laughs> man, that original season, that I don't know what those rules were, man. Come on, season I'll, zero. I'll attack when Yu Gi Oh was wild. Oh man, see, actually, I one. really like season zero of Yu Gi Oh because it, I understand that the card game is the you know popular one, but I did like the idea of what if Yu Gi Alter Ego, you know, actually was just the master of all games. Like he could just play any game he wants, and he was the master of it. I can't wait till the next direct because I'm waiting for this game. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I got one game we can talk about this week. And it's one I've been waiting to talk about for a long time. It is Horizon Forbidden West. Guerrilla Games' oh, oh, yeah. brand new PlayStation 5 and PS4 cross-gen exclusive. You wouldn't think it's cross-gen with how it looks. But they do have a version of this game that runs on PlayStation 4. Albeit with some graphical cuts. Mm-hmm. And of course at 30 frames. So, Horizon Forbidden West is interesting to talk about, I think, because Mm -hmm. I have just as many good things to say as not necessarily bad things, but qualms, or maybe just like... It's like good things and then less good things. We will will say it's not a perfect game. Yeah, it's like, it's, there's good, there's the good, uh, there's not the bad, but it's like, it's just not as good. There's the good, and then there's the eh. Not as good, yeah, it's just the the eh. eh. Yeah. So, first thing I noticed when I played Horizon Forbidden West is how much better it feels than Zero Dawn. And I've played Zero Dawn at 30 and at 60, and something about it always felt a little stiff to me. So, I was happy Mm -hmm. to see that Forbidden West controlled or just felt more organic as you played. Um, Mm -hmm. I think 
the big thing that needs to be pointed out right from the start is that this is the best looking game I've seen. Ever. Is the animation to them speaking better, or do they still the look? The animation like to them speaking is the best I've ever seen in a video game. Interesting. It's I'm not an exaggeration. You've never either. played America Solid. I have played all of them. <laughs> nah, nah. See, because if you play America Solid, you will never make a false statement like that. No, I'm, I'm telling you, the side characters in this game look better than the main characters he, he in like every no other game. He ain't no shooting McShoot face. They ain't no shooting McShoot face, bro. Oh, there is no shooting McShoot face from the Borderlands series, but that's that's besides the point. <laughs> um, yeah. So the graphics, it's not. It, it, it's not unfair for me to say that this is the best graphics that have come out, but that that's just the graphics. Like, the, the, the idea of the foliage moving, the grass will move when you walk through it, and it is the most beautiful-looking grass I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like that song, when I move, you move, just like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, everything reacts. Um, the animations of them when they're talking is, like, scary sometimes. Um, just like Aloy's hair when it moves and it doesn't clip on like some like it might clip every blue moon but like it doesn't really clip through the bow it just has the shape of the bow through the hair which has scared me since the state of play but like the side characters in this are more detailed than the main characters of triple a games and that's kind of scary too (laughs) the animations the way the characters look at each other the way their eyes move and their mouths move and the way their like foreheads will wrinkle and it's like uncannily familiar to real life and it's kind of like jaw-dropping as well as the environments from snow mountains to the grass fields um to the metal insides of cauldrons that you go into everything is just so real looking Mm -hmm. but it's a fantastical kind of real We'll get into real, real when we talk about Gran Turismo Seven, which is so realistic that you can't really associate, like, dissociate it with like how something. It's so naturally looking that it just doesn't feel like you're looking at a game. But with Horizon Forbidden West, it is so realistic in the fantastic way. Um, nothing I've played comes close. Um, well, let's say a few things come close in a different way. Like, Red Dead looks very much like a painting when it's in motion, and that makes it very beautiful. That gives it its own identity. What Horizon Forbidden West is missing is that visual storytelling we see in something like Ghost of Tsushima. It's, mm-hmm. It looks nice, but it doesn't tell its story through the environments. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like I said, it's one thing to look nice, but doing visual storytelling like Red Dead or, or uh, Ghost of Tsushima do is a completely different beast. But that's graphics. Gameplay itself is more fluid. It just feels mm-hmm. like Aloy responds better. The stealth is stealth. I don't really use it. Um, the never combat. Will. Yeah, I, I just can't be bothered. Use I've used will. it in Elden Ring. It's been very helpful in Elden Ring, but it's also been a lot better, <laughs> I think. But in Horizon, you are given a bow and arrow to start with, and you've got, I don't know, seven or eight different weapon types you can shoot um bolts out you can have a spear that you throw you can have different types of elemental ammo that you hit the robots in different parts of their body and sometimes like if you hit a canister of electric with an electric arrow it'll do an explosion it'll Mm -hmm. break parts off like the enemy design is awesome and the encounters are so cool to where like if you hit a part of the enemy that little piece of them will break off and if you hit a detachable component it'll break off so that you can collect it 
um, you can break little bits of shielding off and it will actually fly off on the screen because a lot of times when you're doing combat you're slowing the game down for your like focus thing so you can get you know the proper aim on the parts you want um scanning is important to identify like oh this enemy's weak to ice arrows or you know this enemy if i shoot him with the like the the poison like bolts he will have a reaction that causes him to start corroding and all of that damage will be accurately reflected on the screen at, at basically an unstoppable 60 frames like i don't think i've had a dip in the entire game and i have at this point finished the story but only 40 percent through you know the game but the frame rate is incredible for something that's like that and load times are two seconds you can even choose to instantly go to the game without having to press x on the tip screen now there's traps that you can set for stealth. I haven't really dabbled with those because I can't be bothered to do the stealth, like I said. But I think where this game shines is accessibility. I think this is a hard game. And the idea that you can tweak a custom difficulty in this is cool. You can choose, like, if you choose to do custom difficulty, you can choose to do less damage to the enemies or more, take less or more damage um that's all well and good if you want your game to be easier you can have auto run settings so you don't have to press anything to run that's helpful when you're on the um like the steed that you have like the horse it's called a charger it's like a robot horse almost because horizon is one of those games where you do have to stop to pick up an item you don't have to get off your horse but you do have to stop so there's auto run settings for that um you can choose to always have the highlights for rock surfaces that you can climb on and there are a lot of them i chose not to have them on because it kind of takes me out of the immersion Mm -hmm. um but i think where it shines the most and this is so helpful for somebody like me who has a million games to play you can set it to where enemy encounters will give you all of that enemies you know drops Mm, instead of So usually what you have to do is if you want a particular part of an item, like if you're looking for the tusk of a tremor tusk, which is a giant elephant enemy they introduced back in the original trailer for this, um, you would have to shoot the tusk until it popped off and then you could go collect it with the easy loot option turned on. And you need these parts to do upgrades and stuff. But with the Uh easy loot option turned on, if you defeat that enemy and loot that enemy, anything that you you shot off will still be shot off and you can collect it but if you go to the enemy you will get all of their drops so you don't have to waste your time trying to respawn enemies or hunt for different enemies to get particular drops you can just have the game give you the drops because i'm not trying to play a long game like this which has taken me 40 hours so far to get 40 percent and grind 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 so Gorilla has given us these great accessibility options, and I think that more games should do this easy loot thing, um, more games like this, because it helps with time. It, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I think we're at the point where most games should allow people to have an option instead of just strict, you know, just stripping them to like, no, this is the way it has to be. Give the player options. Yeah, it almost reminds me of Control, except Control actually lets you be invincible or kill enemies in one hit. Exactly. This doesn't make this doesn't take away all the potential fun that you could have with the combat, but like if you lower your damage and you fight with bow and arrow, which is my favorite weapon to use in Horizon, I had a ton of fun just fighting and not having to worry about like 
restarting encounters or losing XP that I've gained. You know, you don't want to lose XP in this because the skill trees are like massive, convoluted things. There's there's a lot of options here that are fun to play mm-hmm. around with, but the most fun thing for me to do was run around and shoot robot dinosaurs with my arrows. I didn't want to <laughs> sit there and craft traps, so I didn't. And that's the beauty of it. You don't have to. You can play exactly. this game like you want. You can tweak the difficulty. You can make it as easy or hard as you want. And the the game doesn't punish you for it. That's, that's all I ask for games like that is just give the option. Because yes. if you experience it in one certain way, you probably would have not liked it. So you would have told someone not to get it. So then that's less of you know a sell for them. But then yeah. if you're like, oh, but the options, you can do whatever you want. Then it's like... If you're one type of player, it caters to all types of players. Like, it's not just specifically one type of game. I I started off on normal, and I Mm -hmm. was getting to the point where I'm like, I'm tired of the basic, you know, fodder enemy taking me, like, 15 arrows to beat. Mm -hmm. Let me lower the difficulty. There we were at, like, five arrows, and I was like, this is perfect. Let me play like this. Um, And I had a ton of fun with it. There is so much to do um we'll we'll get to that in a second i want to touch on the plot it is very much a direct sequel to the first game which i never finished so i had to kind of pick spend that first couple of minutes kind of listening real closely to what they were well i didn't do any research they do kind of good a a good job of catching you up yeah (laughs) i didn't watch a video um it does have a great story of its own to tell and because of the way the characters are animated and presented to you um, you have the option of skipping a lot of dialogue, but for the most part, main characters, I listened to all their dialogue. I asked all the questions because you start to feel like a connection to these characters in this game. Um, one in particular, Kotalo, is one of the Tanakh people, which are the tribe that are in the Forbidden West. Um, I felt really endeared to that character because he was so well animated and, and his that whole cast of characters in that particular settlement was like, it was one of the best parts of the game. Um, and of course, there's like celebrity voice actors like Carrie Ann Moss and Angela Bassett as some of the characters that are major players in the game. Um, but with all this good stuff, there is one bit of a qualm. Okay. And this is kind of where the Elden Ring argument is going to start coming into play, not only for me, but for a lot of people. This is a game, it's not, it's not an Ubisoft game. But it does have so much where you have to, where you're just overwhelmed by like, here's an errand, here's a side quest, here's a collectible, uh, okay. here's a settlement, here's a bandit camp, here's a uh, scan okay. item scan, here's a puzzle. You. you get what I'm saying? No, I get um, what you're saying. There's there too is much. so much of that, and it's not discovered organically it's question marks and you approach it and there's question there's towers in this game but the towers in horizon are the tall necks which are kind of giant brachiosaurus or giraffe type robots that you climb up so there's a little bit of engagement two completely different yeah. animals and complete difference i get what you mean but two completely different brontosaurus i'm sorry not brachiosaurus brontosaurus well no break yeah breaks but you said giraffe i was like giraffe well what? they've got long they've got long necks smaller. i don't know what it's based off but they both have well, long yeah, necks. Well, yeah, any long neck, you know, therapod, that's fine. There's but... a long-necked thing that you climb. That's how I you get your towers. I saw this one thing that was like, it's hard to believe in this world that 
a horse, a horse with a horn on it is is impossible, but a giant leopard pattern horse with a very long neck is real. Well, there's a horse with horns in Elden Ring. <laughs> exactly. That's They're a like, believable world. That. That's pre-apocalypse. <laughs> Whereas Horizon, I might add, is so far past the apocalypse. Like, it is 3,000-something for sure in, in the world of Horizon. But w- w- what I was getting at is that on top of all that, there is Aloy, like, talking about how to do the things as you do them. Now, I, I don't mm-hmm. mind guidance in my games, but this is just like, I should go over here and scan this. I should follow these footprints. I should do yeah. this and that and the other thing. Constantly, it's like, okay. It's, it's kind of Elden forcing. Ring is doing the exact opposite thing, where it's not telling me anything, and I'm having to kind of discover things, and it just feels so organic, whereas Horizon sometimes feels like I'm hitting a checklist. Mm-hmm. Even Ghost of Tsushima felt more organic, because you can choose to play that game without looking at the map, and that guiding wind will take you to all the right places. There's, I guess it just they tried it, but they didn't execute it very well. Execution yeah, could have been done. I, I'm gonna way say better. it's kind of like in the middle ground between a game like Ghost of Tsushima and a simulator like Red Dead, and the way it moves and reacts to things. Mm-hmm. Like, some of it feels very smooth, and then the other is like, yes, I have to stop my horse, or I have to stop to pick this flower. Um, but it doesn't feel as invasive as the first Horizon did in that aspect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you play on easier difficulties, you don't have to go collect every little berry you find on the ground. Um, and yeah. you can upgrade your pouch to where you can... I, I like how... When you use a berry, it'll use as many as it needs to fill your health up the whole way instead of you having to constantly press the button. So there's a, there's a few QLL things in there. I'm not going to go ahead and compare it to like a Ubisoft game because those no. are out of control nowadays. Those are out of control. Um, but I would like to see maybe Gorilla in the future, in a, in a sequel to Horizon Forbidden West, maybe take more of a Breath of the Wild or an Elden Ring approach to where... It's not just giving you a hundred quests at once and saying, this is how you do this, this is how you do this, this is how you do this. I'd rather not see everything in the game and have a more good time progressing through in a natural way than just scrolling to a menu, clicking this quest, having this point go to this quest, having it go to this quest, talking to this person, fetching this item, coming back to this person. I'm kind of over that at this point. We've played that game before. We've been playing that game for 10 years now. Yeah, it's it's just sort of... I mean, that's true, but I guess it's sort of just the idea of once you say that and they kind of tried it and it's not working, then they could, you know, try other things. Like, okay, that didn't work, so let's try it with that so maybe with the next one it'll be a bit better than they did it with this i'm like okay we got your feedback you know a lot of people don't seem to like it but yeah and it's a great game it's just that there are a few trappings of the genre the open world genre that are effectively holding it back from being like a masterpiece or something Mm -hmm. even though it is definitely the best graphics ever like hands down i i struggle to think of another game that comes that close graphics are i mean come on now but you gotta have the game to back it up and while we while we have a fun game here it is bogged down by the open world machine exactly so in contrast to that (laughs) elden ring we will come back to elden ring from time to time here um probably talk about grand turismo 7 next week though but (laughs) 
Um, and of course, come back to Horizon as I continue to power through some of these quests. Very good game. So for right now, would you say we've done an episode? We've. I'm pretty sure we've done an episode. All yeah. right. So guys, like I said, next week should be the Gran Turismo 7 discussion. And maybe if we have time, which it seems like with all the news lately and all the the good conversations we've been having, time is short on the podcast. But um, I, I do still have a list of games I played um, while we were taking that short break that I, I'd like to talk about at some point. But for right now... Uh, I'll make sure to post the picture of the Pokemon characters on our Twitter page. That's at Markers on the Map. Please follow it. React to it. Yeah, react to it. Give up your opinion. Give, do, who got Drift and who got the Leship? Say yeah. you're right or wrong about it. Tell us who's right and who's wrong. Um, please listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and our Podbean site. We appreciate everybody who listens to our show. And, yeah, I guess there's not much left to say. Aside from the fact that the real Garfield cart was the friends we made along the way. There's no battle pass in Garfield cart for the 3DS. So, hey, we'll see you next time. Bye. Later.